So thank you uh, so much for inviting me to this. Um, and thank you, Sandra, for giving a great introduction of, of our research program. Um, so what I'm going to talk about a bit is, I'm going to talk about one of my most recent pieces of work, which I think speaks to the question of the relationship between law and ethics um, in the space of AI, and in particular talks about the, the frameworks, the initiatives um, that we now have over 100 of, um, that are in some way trying to define the right sort of high-level concepts or principles or values or tenets to in some way guide the development of AI, the governance of AI, the use of AI. Um, so the, the talk is going to be based on uh, this paper, which just came out about a week ago, where I look at the, the role that principles can and perhaps should play uh, in the governance of AI, of ethical AI. Um, now, my paper, despite having come out a week ago, is apparently already out of date. <laughs> um, I thought we only had 84 initiatives uh, from across the world, but apparently we have over 100 now. Um, and <laughs> I hope this gets across the, uh, the gravity of the situation. Um, and I suppose my, my main concern is that if we have all these initiatives, you're essentially creating a market where developers can pick and choose the set of principles that, that works best for them. Um, Chris Russell. Uh, was joking the other day that he says, you know, here, here are my principles, and if you don't like them, well, I have a bunch of others. You can choose from. <laughs> um, but to me, the, the, the risk there is it, it gives the impression that there's sort of one way to do ethics, that you have a high-level set of principles that you are then going to specify into a set of practical requirements. And unsurprisingly, you should expect that if you have both lots of different sets of principles, but also leave it up to uh, say, individual development teams or individual companies to choose how to specify those principles. On the ground, you're going to get um, requirements that don't match with each other, requirements that may be contradictory, and essentially you can end up in a situation of extreme uh, moral relativism. And to me, that, that, that thought that sort of ethics, or at least ethical frameworks, are there as something to, uh, let's say, replace regulation, um, or at least self-regulation can be seen as a way to, to replace hard regulation. Um, that to me sort of does a disservice to the actual value that ethics can have, and in particular the value that ethics and the law when working together um, in, a, in a good way um, can have. So what I'm interested in is basically how can we make these ethics frameworks actually work within a, you know, a, an approach where we're open to hard regulation. Now, um, I'm happy that this has come up already, but it's just to say there's a clear connection between AI ethics and medical ethics. So I don't have to make the case for that. So, so thank you. Uh, a number of people have mentioned it, actually. Um, but it's just to say that there was some work done recently. There's a couple of papers done recently that was trying to look for some sort of consensus across all these uh, different frameworks and initiatives that we have. Um, and what, uh, in particular, this piece of work from the AI for People project, and also it was adopted by the high-level expert group on artificial intelligence, is that there's a set of principles that very closely mimic the classic principles of medical ethics. Um, and that's really interesting because I think actually looking at medical ethics and looking how AI development compares to it can tell you a lot about whether we should expect um, this sort of principled form of self-governance to work in a similar way in AI development as it does in medicine. And it's not to say that medical ethics is, is without its failures or that, you know, principled approach is going to solve everything. It's just to say it's definitely a case where the use of principles for ethical governance, for ethical decision making is very clear. It's very prominent and it has had impact um, in practice. 
So what I'm going to do in, in the remainder of my few minutes is just to look at those two professions a little bit closer and see, well, how exactly does AI development compare to this profession where we've seen a principled approach to ethics emerge and have some success? And so there's four different characteristics I want to look at here. Um, the first is the existence of common aims. And what I mean by that is that medicine has, or doctors have fiduciary duties towards their patients. Uh, the practice is broadly guided by a common set of aims, which is you know, to benefit the health and well-being of the patient. And of course, we will disagree about how to do that best in practice, um, you know, at the very least talking about, um, say, pub public interest versus the interests of individual patient. But there is this sort of commonality. There is this common ground from which ethical decision-making can actually proceed. And that is reflected in the fact that, that you have very strong fiduciary duties between professionals and patients. What that allows for is basically a cooperative approach to ethical decision-making, to specifying these principles. And I'm not sure that that level of cooperation can be taken for granted in the space of AI development. At the very least, if you're talking about privately developed AI, the initial fiduciary duties owed by the development team will be to the shareholders of the company rather than the users or the people affected by the system. And so my concern is if you don't have this sort of common grounding of the direction we're all traveling in, I'm not sure that you actually can have that, um, that you're going to end up with, with ethical decision-making that's fundamentally competitive rather than cooperative. And clearly that's, that's not something that's conducive to finding an appropriate balance between uh, different interests and practice. The second characteristic I wanna look at is the role of uh, professional history. Um, and this is just to say that medicine has obviously been a profession for a very long time. Um, we have codes of conduct, or we have accounts of what it means to be a good doctor. Um, these are captured in things like the Hippocratic Oath, or more recently, the AMA Code of Medical Ethics. These are documents that have been revised over time. They're very long-standing. They're very detailed. Um, they give opinions on you know, particular types of interventions. And the fact that they have been sort of tested over time and revised is one of the reasons that they, they continue to actually be useful in day-to-day -day professional practice. Now, if you compare that to the state of AI development, I'm going to use software engineering here as an analog to, to AI development. We do have professional bodies, IC, uh, ACM and the IEEE, of course, being uh, two of the biggest ones, and we do have codes of ethics. But in comparison to medicine, they're, they're relatively short in comparison, relatively abstract. The ACM one was revised recently, but still remains comparatively abstract when compared to, say, the AMA Code of Ethics. And there's research that, uh, recent research that suggests that the codes of ethics actually have very little influence on day-to-day -day decision making of engineers, which is clearly a problem because if you have, have a code of ethics, but it isn't shown to be particularly effective in the sense of influencing the behavior of engineers, then you have to question what is the actual value of it. The third characteristic I want to briefly touch on is just the methods that we have for translating principles into practice. The fundamental problem that we have here in the AI ethics frameworks is that they're, they're based on or they rely on what can be called essentially contested concepts, essentially very abstract concepts that can have lots of different meanings in practice. I mean, if I asked, if I took a survey of this room about who thinks that AI systems should treat people fairly, I imagine pretty much everybody would raise their hand, and yet everybody may have a completely different uh, sense of what fairness would actually mean in practice. And the point is that those different meanings of fairness can be rationally held. Um, they can be genuine. They can be defended. 
we shouldn't expect you know, a single correct meaning of any of these terms. The problem that you have is that we've reached consensus on what the correct essentially contested concepts are. We've, we've reached this high level consensus, but to me that doesn't actually reflect any sort of true consensus and more just is a way to mask sort of really important normative and political disagreements. We have a framework, we agree to the framework, but we certainly don't agree to what it means in practice. And of course, the other problem is that those sorts of concepts don't translate automatically into practical requirements. Um, that is a very difficult process. Medicine has things like professional societies and boards, ethics review committees, accreditation and licensing schemes, um, peer self-governance standards. All these things help you actually do that translation in practice. Software engineering does have some of these things, but it's lacking um, it's lacking mechanisms that are of, say, similar stature, um, similar importance. And I think one of the reasons for that is that the profession would not be legally recognized in a, in, uh, legally recognized as a profession in the same way that medicine is. What I mean by that is doctors require a license to practice. Software engineers, in some cases, in limited contexts, do need a license to practice, but it's in no way um, of the same importance or the same sort of... Um, same coverage as, as uh, medical licenses. And so this lack of sort of legal recognition of the profession is a serious problem because ethics tends to, professional ethics at least, um, really has teeth when it actually has legal mechanisms to back it up. When doing something unethical in your day-to-day -day behavior as a, as a professional could actually lead to, you say, losing the uh, ability to practice your profession. And so just to conclude here, I think we have a number of um, sort of legal gaps um, within ethical AI. One is, a really important one is that there is not this legal recognition of AI development as professions. And a lot of the initiatives we have are based on uh, human rights frameworks or other sorts of frameworks that are not directly um, legally binding in the same way as say, uh, say GDPR would be. And so to move forward, I think we can do a couple of things. One is to start thinking about AI ethics more in the sense of a business or organizational ethics and less as a professional ethics. Both sides are important, but I think there's too much emphasis placed on individuals doing wrong things, software engineering, individual developers doing wrong things, and less about the, say, business model that they're working within or the organizational practices themselves being unethical in some way. Um, we had a chance to do that with the high-level expert group. Um, there were red lines initially supposed to be drafted that basically set out types of AI that should not be developed in Europe. In the end, those red lines were taken out. To me, these would have been a very strong signal uh, that AI ethics is also business ethics. And then just finally, I think we may need to revisit the idea of licensing developers of high-risk AI applications. Um, and we, I think more than anything, we just need to develop a much stronger empirical evidence base that's based on case studies on specific, specific ethical challenges um, so we can really start to understand how we disagree and agree with each other in practice about what these different concepts and principles mean. So I'll end there. Thank you very much. Thanks very much.